This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings by, by Julian Dion. Yeah, that's right. My two comedy albums, Too Soon and Beginnings, now available for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. jdcomedy.ca. It's Monday, September 18th, and you're listening to a brand spanking new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. On today's episode, Wakefield Sessions continues. We launch week three of four with my guest today, Claire Bestland, blues singer, songwriter, amazing shredder, uh, just through and through awesome Awesome overall. We go deep, we get into it. She plays a few songs live in studio. It's a good one. And it all starts now. Julian Dion, coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Gatineau Hills. Hi, hi, hi. I've got a mouthful of cereal. Who eats? This is my professional level. Professionalism. I took a big bite of Gorilla Munch or Gorilla Crunch. It's like gluten-free, healthy corn pops in chocolate almond milk. It's like the healthy way to get diabetes. You don't get the GMO, but shit, your pancreas takes a hit. Sweet. Oh, so sweet. Yeah, it is sweet. Gorilla Munch and chocolate almond milk. The organic, non-GMO, locally sourced, uh, environmentally friendly way to get diabetes, type 2. Hashtag T2, what, what? Can't be good. It's so sweet. I mean, it's so good. It's like eating, um, I don't know, liquid cake for breakfast. It's not even breakfast. It's, uh, what are we, today? Monday. <coughs> I'm all over the map. I have some Gorilla Munch dust in my lungs. Waste of time. Come on. Sorry, I should have... Why, why? This isn't live. I could have done this any time. I could start... I could finish my bowl of cereal like a grown adult. You know, how grown adults do. Eat cereal on, on, on a... I'm on a stool and I can't touch the ground. My, le- my legs are dangling and I'm eating cereal in a closet as a grown... You know, as you do as a grown-ass man. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm a grown adult. So, sweet. Claire Bestland is my guest today. Holy shit. Claire Bestland. That's basically... You see her play and that's what what you say. You go, holy shit, fuck. Fuck shit. Holy... What just happened? 
Blues, play, I mean, she plays everything. Rock, rock and or roll, blues, all that. We get into it. Any sort of raw form of music, some country. The real deal. I mean, it's... When she plays, it's like a wave of energy coming at you. And she beats the... Oh, just The guitar, like, she plays hard and good. Good and hard. Shreds. Unbelievable. I've said it before, but this is what I love about having musicians on the podcast is... Inevitably, when they play a song or two in studio, I'm getting a personal, private concert, one-on-one. Sometimes I don't know where to look, but I got over that. I used to feel weird at first, but I'm like, no, fuck. I love it. Oh, my God. Claire Bestland is my guest today. She's from Winnipeg. Actually, she's from La Paw and uh, just moved here from Winnipeg. Oh, gosh. How are you? Are you good? Oh. Uh? Uh-huh. Ah, good. That was annoying. That was unnecessary and annoying. Oh, I did a very Wakefield thing today. I um, used the words blessed and magic in the same (laughs) sentence. I went swimming down by the covered bridge, the famous Wakefield covered bridge. If you know, if you're from here, obviously you know, but if you're not, it's a tourist destination. It's just down by my house. It takes me a minute to walk down there and I swim. And I, there was someone else swimming there, and I go, oh, aren't we blessed? This is so magical. Uh, I don't, I didn't really say it like a valley girl like that. Magical, uh, but, you know, I said blessed and magical in the same sentence. And I thought, well, I'm acclimated. I'm in Wakefield now, for sure. I've never in my life, if you would have told me six weeks ago, you're going to legitimately, in a sentence, use the words blessed and magical, I would have said, just bring me behind the shed and shoot me. I don't know why, it just seemed like not, not, there's nothing wrong with that, it just seemed all frou-frou and not who I am, but I guess I'm turning into that person. I'm Next level, I'm going to put my hands together, you know, in the prayer, that, when I think, and just bow all the time. Thank you, blessed, thank you, oh my gosh. By the way, if you do that, no problem, that's your thing, it's cool. It's just not, never what I thought I would become, ever. I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with it. When someone bows and they do the prayer hands thing and they bow to me and they go, thank you. That feels good. I like it. I welcome and I go, thank you. I lean back. They bow. I lean back. I go, don't don't get in my personal space. So, but I said that. Hashtag blessed. That's uh, my life now. I am growing softer. I've talked about it before, but about... um, you know, with with uh, insects and rodents, I've, I'm terrible at that. I cannot deal. I have to deal. I can't deal. Won't deal. Another hashtag for you. But I'm I'm such a soft. I'm such a fuck. I wish I could. I'm. I don't know why. Okay, I have this innate thing. I don't know if I'm using the word innate right or not. But I have this fear of confrontation for some reason in my head. I'm like, oh, I will. Sh- I'm gonna tell that person how I feel, and then. I see that said person, I'm like, hey, how are you? Aren't we blessed? I, I can never be confrontational. I I served in restaurants for years, and I always admired, like, like um, in New York City, there's, like, these crass servers. If you tip, like, 10%, they're like, get out of here, never come back here. I don't know what that accent, that was more an accent of, like, a 1920s gangster, but, see, pa, get out of here, see. But they would do that if you tip, you know. 
take your cup of coffee and get out of here. Is that better? That's worse. But they, And when I serve, someone tipped me 10%, I'd be like, oh my God, I've ruined their whole experience. I've ruined it. I'm so sorry. Can't confront people, even though I hadn't done anything wrong, you know? I just wish I could confront people. We dealt with this contractor, great guy, did the job, was supposed to do this, finish this little thing. It's a super small thing. It's like, I'm sure in his mind the job is done, but it's not. There's this little thing missing, paid and everything. It's done. And I can't call the guy. Instead, I like send Pat, like, Nice text. Hey, bro. Just throwing it out there whenever you can. If you want to come finish that job, it'd be awesome. Otherwise, no press. I'll get in the hood. Blessed. Why can't I just be like, yo, uh, we've been patient enough. We've paid you. It's been a month. Come finish the job. No, instead I'm like, isn't it magical, your profession and what you do when you get to meet people? <laughs> ah, why? What's wrong with me? Are you like that? Are are you, are you, it's, is it hard to confront people? Email me, pod at jdcomedyhour.com and let me know. Also, while, while you're at it, like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour and follow on Insta and Twitter at jdcomedyhour. Also, if you subscribe on iTunes, please rate it. This helps. It helps a lot. If you rate and give some stars and, and write a review, it takes a couple minutes out of your time, but it really makes a big diff in the algorithms of things, so uh, do that too, okay? Okay, that's uh, that's that. I felt like I wanted to add something else about me being a puss, but I can't remember. Anyway, soft, hashtag softy. <laughs> All right, let's get to my guest today because this was a fantastic interview. I loved it. She's great, sh- and she shreds in studio, and uh, you're going to like it. You're going to love it, actually. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're going to love it. So enjoy now my chat with the one, the only, Claire Bestland. And yes, once again, this episode is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings, my two personal comedy albums. Yeah, that's right. My two live comedy albums that I've worked very hard to put out there are available now for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. Yeah, I know you're curious. You hear me on here talking and interviewing, and you must wonder what, you know, what it's like. I do comedy for a living. Maybe you've been to a show. You want to capture that again. You want to want a little souvenir. Well, go to jdcomedy.ca and download Too Soon and Beginnings. jdcomedy.ca. What's that? What's that? You want a little taste? Sure, I'll get... Oh, I'll wet your beak. Here's Too Soon. My, da- my dad actually killed a rooster once by its legs uh, against a um, barn wall. That happened. That was a real thing. I ran over a raccoon and I cried myself to sleep for a week. A week! <laughs> Here's beginnings. This is weird, I just looked at Reject and he went like this. Which usually means fucking, right? <laughs> usually it's like... Oh, CPR, I got it, okay. You're not gonna come up here and have your way with me in front of my... <laughs> my passed out, you're like, yeah, alright, here we go. What am I even talking about in those clips? Well, only one way to find out. Download Too Soon and Beginnings at jdcomedy.ca. That's jdcomedy.ca. Do it today. You and me belong, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People I need to lose, sing a little song, then take a shower. 
Julian Dion Comedy Yeah, that was awesome. 
Oh man, that's good. Thank that, you very much. That's some good stuff right there. That is my guest that you heard just there. She sits across from me in uh, Lemon Press Studios, aka my kitchen table, in the Gatineau Hills. And uh, oh, we're being played in again. Actually, people are not going to hear that part. So uh, <laughs> it's just right now. I'm just talking about nothing. I'm having a stroke, and um, th- it's uh, that's a cinematic composition uh, which is written for a film, uh, t- film and TV, which we'll get into called uh, Icelandic Horses. By my guest today, she's a new, she's a new import to the Wakefield area, and uh, Wakefield sessions continues with my guest today, Claire Beslan. How are you? I'm great, Julian. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for thanks for doing the thing. I appreciate it. <laughs> you were here when when Enid was here during the, and uh, that's where we met, and uh, so we lined this up today, and here yeah. we are. So let's uh, get to know you. First of all, you write for, I mean, you've got albums and stuff out there. You're saying it's a little more bluesy rock, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into later. But this is specifically, you write for a film? How did you get into that? Uh, I'm not really sure. I just started recording stuff, doing my own production. So I just created a body of work and then I got placed in just a couple independent films. So Cool. But shorts, you know, nothing, yeah, yeah. nothing huge yet. But one of them was, was funded by the NSI, so it was a good, like... Uh, good to break into that but yeah um just did my own production because because um i've been through more drummers than madonna and uh, (laughs) uh, i love musicians but i just was never happy with almost any performance i've ever done so i started recording it myself so like that (laughs) what we just heard there is icelandic horses did you do all of the parts yeah Wow! Yeah. Holy shit! And you do that in your uh, home studio? My own studio, yeah. Yeah. You do. What do you do first? Like, uh, do you do the rhythm guitar, then drums, or drums first and bass, or how does that work? Um, you know, it depends. I usually come up with a guitar idea, and then I bring in uh, drums, and and then I usually put in bass, and then I'll add some rhythm guitar tracks because it's all everything I do is really rhythmic, and it's all about the rhythm. So. Right trying to place things properly and know. those like that drum track that's you're actually playing it or is it uh or is it a um, no that's an that's an automated drum okay track. all right okay yeah yeah i do sometimes lay down drum tracks right. um but i rent a kit for it so yeah I, I, if i don't have to i don't right yeah yeah it's crazy what you can do with technology now it's uh you can do it well Icelandic horses, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's also kind of scary because there's a lot of people that are better editors than players, right? Right. So I've always tried to become a way better player than an editor. <laughs> yeah, because then you're asked to play somewhere and you're like, well, sh- I can't really, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it becomes a problem. Yeah. Like, um, I guess Steely Dan or something had that problem. Not not better editors. I mean, that's they're from a long time ago, but they were such a studio band that it was hard to like perform. Recreate you, that. and like, yeah. yeah, right. So many moving parts in the studio and you can start and start and do all this kind of thing and tweak and and then but live it's like yeah when you see a band some some bands you see they're there's such you know they're a live band like mm-hmm. i'm a huge diehard pearl jam fan like oh, it's my of course, amazing yeah. like my all-time and they're such a fucking live band like yeah. they'll play three and a half hours and they sound better live than than um they do in a recording oh my god yeah. it's so it's like everything's a little bit faster and raw and and just and they leave everything on the stage everything yeah. they don't ever phone it in another guy like that is tom petty uh, tom yeah. petty and the heartbreakers oh my yeah, god I've they're seen good him a few times yeah i loved him I oh love him. my god <laughs> it's like 
<laughs> it's like you're listening to the CD when he's playing. It's so good. He's talking in between songs, and he's got the grizzled voice and deep voice. Then he starts singing, and you're like, "Did they? Is this? A, is he lip syncing? How is this so good?" <laughs> it is. They're professionals. Yeah. They're like. I almost like his live performance is better than the recordings. I think they're yeah, same yeah. kind of thing as Pearl Jam. For sure, for yeah. sure. I saw them at the AC. I saw them twice at the ACC in Toronto, and uh, the last time was two years ago, and. Um, Midway through one of the songs, they were doing a new tune and the power went out. Not the whole power, but in the like the PA and the whole thing. So, but their amps were still running. Mm-hmm. Their mics were cut out. So they just had like guitar amps, the drums. And, you know, a lot of people would have just stopped or <laughs> thrown a fit or whatever. They, they didn't only <laughs> keep going. They dialed it up even more. Petty was windmilling and he was like singing and then it kicked in at the end. And I was like, yeah, these guys are they just with it. pro. And then <laughs> yeah. he came on after. He's like, can you guys hear me? And then everyone cheered. And he's like, well, we don't know what happened. We are, after all, dealing with electricity. No one knows how the fuck that works. So <laughs> exactly. let's just see if we can get through the rest of the show. And I was like, man, I like, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, how can he not? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's just the, did you ever listen to his uh, channel on Sirius? I've heard bits of it, and yeah. I really I need to listen to it because it just sounds hilarious. Like that's his, the thing. Yeah. His first of all, it's like the music obviously is good. It's all you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and and uh, some stuff that influenced the band or whatever. But his so, commentary, his is. commentary <laughs> is so funny, and, yeah. and you know, most times for um, radio commercials, they'll have copywriters and editors, and they'll they'll write copy for you, and then you just read it. He definitely writes his own yeah. commercials because they're so out there and just silly and nonsensical. And you know, he just huffed a big joint and then just went in the. His, <laughs> he does it from his home studio or somewhere somewhere in L.A. Of course, yeah. and uh, it patches that through. But you know, he's just like the promos and his commentary and when his uh, buried tre- treasures show. It's just like. There's a guy that's just like high on life. Yeah, and plus he's a Florida boy, so right. You yeah, know, he's got the accent. And, yeah. yeah, Gainesville, Florida. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I read an interview one time where someone was talking about him, and they said they had interviewed Bob Dylan, and they had said that um, you know some people say that you know there's some similarities between Tom Petty and Bob Dylan, and obviously Petty came after, and and if he thought that uh, you know Petty was influenced by him or whatever, and uh, Dylan said, I've always found that he's a little more influenced by Bob Marley. And it took the reporter years to realize he meant about smoking weed. Because the, <laughs> the reporter's like, oh, I, don't, I don't really see that, but all right. Yeah. And then like years later, he's like, oh yeah, the like nonstop weed. <laughs> um, I wouldn't have caught on to that either. So. Right. Very subtle, very Dylan-esque. <laughs> the yeah. Way, yeah. I love Bob Dylan. Oh man, that's another... Bob. I've seen him like four times. Yeah. yeah. And he just play. He plays before the lights go up and until they go down at the end and doesn't stop. It's yeah. Like, He's a great guitar player too. Yeah. Like, he blew my mind. I had no idea he could play guitar like that. Right. Yeah. But yeah. then a few times I've seen him, he just turned his back to the crowd and played organ and, yeah, yeah. you know, but I liked every performance like that he did, whether he turned his back. I don't care. Right. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. And he, he's evolved <laughs> over the years where the songs almost... You wouldn't even know it's the yeah. that song. Like you'll play like Rolling Stone, for example, and it sounds so different because he believes in the then the, evol- the evolution of things, yeah. and he'll change things all the time. And that's what excites me about it. That's why I love him so much. Yeah. You can't tell what the what it is, and usually tell the chorus. Right, some of the stuff, and I love that. It's different. Yeah, time, you know? it's different every time. Have you ever seen the documentary uh, Running Down a Dream? Uh, it's no. the Tom Petty 30th anniversary oh. came out. In, I mean, now it's their 40th anniversary. So it was in 2006 came out. 
It's a fucking awesome documentary. But uh, they talk about going to Australia and touring with uh, Dylan back in the day and uh, where they would open. Uh, Tom Payne and the Heartbreakers would open for Dylan and then the Heartbreakers would play for, for Dylan and like, they'd be his band for the show. Mm-hmm. And they said it was like nothing. They were so on their toes because he just improvised the, the uh, whole time. The whole thing, mm-hmm. the key, everything is just different. You could you 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 could know how to play all of the Dylan songs and still you just it just starts and you're like oh shit this is an entirely different key different feel different, different feel, feels different yeah. tempo He's a genius yeah. that guy yeah that he guy. really is I could talk about Bob Dylan all day but we're here to talk about Claire so let's oh. uh, <laughs> let's I'll, I'll talk about it. whoever That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, w- you just got here right like recently yeah I um I came out in the summertime and then I'm here now like kind of went back and forth I had some gigs I had to fulfill so back home manitoba and then i out in the came prairies prairie mm-hmm. girl mm-hmm. born and raised i was born in the paw manitoba which is northern manitoba oh yeah and then uh, lived in winnipeg last oh, eight or nine years or something i've been back and forth between the paw and i had to when i got to university there was no jobs so i went up to the paw to work at the jail oh yeah <laughs> yeah no, nowhere to work so. what like a corrections officer yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I'd be a oh, wow. so it was you know i mean i was young my early 20s and making okay money and mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a bit of a ride yeah <laughs> i bet do you watch orange is the new black i have watched it and I, um it's pretty it's pretty funny yeah, yeah. um are there know. any similarities to that or is it just like <laughs> is that like a cartoony version of you know i think that jail uh in my experience is more like trailer park boys jail <laughs> yeah yeah. you know it's, it's really realistically it's more like that right you know the floor hockey tournaments you know oh yeah i used to play basketball against those guys and is that right so is it a minimum yeah. medium security prison or? it was just a provincial so it's two okay. years and under but um yeah. oh got it so there are no like mass murderers or murderers or anything there's like that. yeah there's quite oh, a few yeah. murderers oh, um, really? because they have to wait out their time till they get in the pen and there's a lot of murderers that never get convicted because they're threatening the witness the whole time Really? So they just do remand. They wait their two years out, and then they they plead out, and they're released after two years. Yeah, that happens a lot. Okay, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Back up. <laughs> they okay. So they're so they go to that provincial jail mm-hmm. to wait to go to the until they go, the go to house. trial and they go to the big house. Mm-hmm. And but during those two years, maybe not themselves personally, but people. Have, associated with them threaten the witnesses no they can well i mean when i was there i don't know what it's like now with you can't have cell phones in there but yeah they can they used to call home and like i mean i don't know this is what it seemed like to me right right all interpretation but yeah and then they eventually just plead out and and uh, after two years like every day you're in jail not sentenced right Mm -hmm. it counts for two days no way did not know that that's so they they waited out for two years and that means they've done four years and then pretty much it's like okay you can go home (laughs) So there's lots of that, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what do you mean plead out? Like they just go... Like, well, I've done two years uh, remanded, so mm-hmm. that means I've done four years. Right. So, and then they just plea bar. Like it's just plead out means you're, that you don't have to be sent, like you're just let go, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Any crazy, crazy uh, like uh, scenarios or anything that happened? I don't know why I used the word scenario. I didn't really <laughs> use that word. <laughs> they were scenarios, definitely, yeah. <laughs> but any like fights or riots or shit break out when you were there yeah, there was all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I really, uh, you know, I got along with everybody there. I, I really looked after those guys. Most of them, it's a solution to housing problems. You right. Know. You know, I'm not a bleeding heart. I know that there's a lot of evil in the world. But yeah, I mean, I would say half of them probably didn't need to be in there other than poverty and no housing. So Right. Yeah. Do some people like do like go in there on purpose kind of? like? Well, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've heard that mm-hmm. as a thing. So that's a real thing. It gets cold in Manitoba. Yeah, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. yeah. So they'll just go rob a liquor store or something and go in there. And The only thing is, I mean, to get time, you really got to hurt somebody. So, right. you know. But, uh, yeah, my friend is, uh, my best friend's actually the warden. Well, she's second in command there. And I talked to her yesterday. She said <laughs> they just thwarted this big escape. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, these guys put a picnic table up and up against the fence and there's razor wire. They took a carpet, threw it over the razor wire and then they p- tied sheets around their feet and tried to climb up there, but they didn't get out. They, yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> smart I mean, though. So that is yeah, smart, yeah. but you'd have to do that in like so fast. Cause I mean, as soon they as, did. yeah, they did. And, th- and did any get over? No, 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 no. Oh, wow. no, no. But and we're razor, not, you don't want to get stuck in razor wire. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, there's a reason it's called razor wire. Yeah. 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 And so as a CO, so you would like take them out. Like, what would, what would you kind of do? Like, were you intimidated at all? Were you like freaked out when you first got there? Like shit, that might. Yeah, I was yeah. scared at first, but you can't act that way because right. they're going to feed off it. So I just, you know, just had to be responsible. Actually, when I was a kid, we were driving up to the farm. Me and my dad, and he had this single cab truck and we we're driving up to the farm in the paw and He's this hitchhiker's hitchhiking, so he stops. And, where are you going? I'm going to Saskatchewan. Okay, get in. So he gets in, and we're driving. And he's like, where are you coming from? Jail. And I'm sitting there with this guy. And the guy was harmless. Like, it was just yeah. nothing. And I, at first, I, so I don't know. I just thought, you know what? I need to make some decent money. I'm not going to, you yeah. know, and so I went up there. Yeah, they're good, they're good jobs. I mean, <laughs> yeah. do you ever have to show authority, like, back against the wall, inmate, or that kind of shit? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah? yeah, I did. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 once in a while. But most of the time, I just kind of, I don't know. I I never hardly had to. You're right. You know, as long as you're kind to people and respectful, they, yeah. you know, they got it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you did you get hit on a lot by uh, inmates? Oh, no. I used to give them the... I used to give him a hard time about that. I never, yeah, I was pretty harsh about that. I can be harsh with people, so, yeah. yeah. No, no. And what do you have on your person as a CEO, like a billy club or something, or a gun, or what do you have? No, like a, no, just, uh, I mean, there's pepper spray in a box in the control office. I mean, yeah, (laughs) they don't, (laughs) you're kind of fending for yourself. Wow. (laughs) You don't want weapons on people, though, because they get used on them. Right, totally. And then the, you know, when there's like a, an incident in somebody's cell or something. Everybody wants to get, you know, their big riot gear on, and it's like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, and yeah. uh, it's it's just pointless. There was a, a guy that used to run it, you know, everybody, a lot of people didn't like him because he'd just go right in the cell and deal with the guy. Right. You know, and he just would calm everything down. Yeah. And that's how it should be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Diffuse it that way mm-hmm. without violence. Because you're right, people would use them against you if you had weapons because it's all good to be trained on like in theory on how to use that shit but then when push comes to shove and your heart is pounding and adrenaline's going and then it's a wholly totally different (laughs) totally different uh that's why people in the states often say like you know when there's a mass shooting that happens or whatever like at a school but if the teachers or other students had guns this wouldn't happen it's like yeah no more people would be dead actually Mm. like to shoot a moving target or whatever it is it's like it's a whole different thing i mean it's you can go you know at a firing range and do that it's fine but you're you know you're not chucked full of adrenaline when you're doing that or fearful of your life and yeah and uh so when did did you work there until recently no no just i just worked there a couple years and then and i hate i didn't like it because i I didn't agree with that system so i uh 
Went and worked in the mill. Was oh, this, in, the mill. Yeah, in the sawmill. Yeah, that was really interesting. I was never the same again. Yeah, I mean, no. worse, more, more so than the prison. No, I actually liked it there more than the more than the prison. But it was just like really tough work, and yeah, yeah it was insane. What yeah. kind of stuff did you do at the mill? I had to run machines there and and be a laborer and stuff, and so wrestle big lumber and like yeah. lumberjack. Yeah, it was and long hours. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, you know, I did okay there. And, I just was in a strange relationship, so I kind of tried to make it work, but yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> what do you mean, a strange relationship? Oh, back home? So you're trying to stay there for that reason? You yeah. Mean? Okay, yeah, got it, yeah, got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, But that didn't work out? It didn't work out, no. Why strange? Uh, it's a long story. There was just things I didn't know about, kind of double life. Kind oh, of, oh, oh, shit. Duality, yeah. yeah. Right, so, family down the street. De- <laughs> 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 Deceitful things going on. So, uh, But yeah. anyways, I got out of that, so that's good. Well, good. <laughs> it's, it seems like you were doing all the jobs that are like ingrained in the local economy, like the jail, the mail. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mill shut down, so now everybody works at the jail. <laughs> oh, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, so you were, but you were always kind of doing music on the side or whatever. I was, uh, but I would never consider myself a professional, and I um, just never grew up in a family that would ever um, accept that. Or, but they do now. But uh, I just never thought I could ever do it. Like yeah. it just wasn't a career in the arts. Like really, like I never, especially grew up there that. in the pot. Like it yeah. was like what's... Winnipeg too. Like yeah. uh, I just don't come from family. Like my dad was a farmer, and you know, so and not necessarily a wealthy one. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was, you know, but I made the jump finally just because I loved something. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when they're not, uh, when you don't come from an artistically supportive family at first. I mean, they, like you said, they eventually have to come around cause they realize, okay, it's, with or without us, she's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, your dad must've been thought you were nuts when you left the jail and the, the, <laughs> those kinds of jobs. Cause he must've thought that was like security and. Well, yeah, I don't know. He, yeah. I don't know what he, he was always kind of just disapproving. Like, eh, what would you want to do that for anyway? Bunch of lazy bums. <laughs> <laughs> He's just very, you know what? I love him. He was very harsh and gave me a thick skin to be able to do what I do now. Right. So it's all good. Well, I think that should be the name of your next album, Thick Skin. Because yeah. even the jobs you've had, like yeah. growing up the farmer's daughter, working in a jail, in the mail. Mm. That is a song. But yeah. Oh, right. no, I got. To, I have okay. to start writing more stuff. I've just been too busy moving out here and then going to New Orleans. So it's like, ah. Yeah, you just yeah. came back with, uh, with Enid. You were down there. Yeah, yeah. You guys had some shows. Yeah, it was really interesting. You guys are a duo, right? Yeah, yeah. I work with her as a duo. I really like what she does, so I'm yeah. really happy. To, and then, you know, some of that Joni Mitchell stuff has a lot of Jakob story as a baseline, right. so it's like musically, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you play bass with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, for some of the stuff, because I think it balances out her, vo- her voice. She's got that really uh, high little girl Joni kind of voice. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it if- works. If uh, to the listeners, if you want to hear that um, voice, go back a couple episodes of the Enid Goodman episode. Uh, And did you, at what age did you start performing, or not performing, but playing? Uh, Really playing? Uh, I don't know, probably 14, 13. Did you get your own guitar? How did that work? Yeah, my grandma got me a guitar when I was four, a ukulele, and then uh, I just destroyed it. Yeah, like just it was just like wrecked and smashed and like just scratched to death. Yeah. So then I started taking lessons and like later on, and then I never went to university or anything for it. But um, yeah, and I just played from then on, but never professionally till I was about. 
probably till maybe maybe 2007 I started I sort of went under tutelage under this guy from my hometown or from Winnipeg and my hometown he's also from my hometown he's, oh, yeah. he's played with like um Albert Collins and like these really great blues guys what's that guy's name um I don't I'm, I don't ever say his name. Okay. <laughs> no, oh, I like no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Tim. His oh. name's Tim. Um, he, he's a really interesting guy. Yeah. It's just like the man in the clouds. I <laughs> yeah. cannot say his name. I have a pager. He pages me when he wants. <laughs> you, ever see that, <laughs> you ever see that movie Kill Bill? Yes. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, the cruel tutelage yeah. of yeah. Pai Mei? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is like me and this guy. I swear. It's yeah. like when she goes and he's got that, you know, he's like this really cruel, like, you want to eat like dog, eat on the floor. That's yeah. kind of like what it's, yeah. It's <laughs> so like that. Yeah, uh, is is the ukulele <laughs> a good jumping off point to learn guitar if you like learn how to play that? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think any I think any instrument, even piano, like anything you're picking up is going to be able to be you know somewhat transferable because it's just for me. I mean, it's all rhythms. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Right. If and you can play in time, do you know what I mean? Then it's a lot easier for anything else too. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And when did you start? Uh, did you get in a uh, get into a band or something like that when you were younger? How did how did you go from just playing in your room to I'm gonna make this maybe happen somehow? Yeah. Well, I played in bass and jazz band, of course, in high school, and then I played bass in a rock and roll band in high school too. And it was the '90s, yeah. so it was like that was cool. That was a cool thing to yeah. do when you're a girl back then. And then. Um, kind of give it up for a while but I always played and then when I lived up north I did played a lot of country and uh, I'd play for people that would want to sing and so I'd play all this stuff for them and but um, I guess 2007 was when I really started really taking it out of you know and, and playing out and stuff like that and blues jams like that's a different kind of thing like being able to go and like guitar sling and yeah you know it's a certain kind of thing for sure so I got to do it in Nashville and it was amazing yeah yeah oh that's cool well, that was on that same swing you just did uh, yeah just down south yeah oh, I want to go back there yeah um, I have to go back there because uh, the musician like the level of talent was insane well it's the hub it's like the Mecca there right it was nuts. Do you feel it in the air when you just uh, walk around and you get there and it's like, okay, this, there's so much history and character there. It just kind of bleeds through everything, right? It does. And there's also sort of a history of like women songwriters there because of Loretta Lynn and, uh, right. you know, Dolly. And so, but yeah, the level was pretty incredible. And that always excites me. I don't, I don't ever feel uh, like... Not necessarily, like, I mean, we all get intimidated. Mm -hmm. Everybody does, I, I, you know, but I just get excited by it. And I'm like, oh, I want to surround myself by this because it's going to make me better. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? For sure. Yeah, you have to. You surround yourself by better people. You have to elevate your game. Dolly's another one who's just awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite songs is uh, Code of Many Colors. Oh, of course. Oh, so that's so good. It is, yeah. And the story behind it, it's a true story of how her mom made her this coat just with a bunch of, like, different <laughs> fabrics. And she thought it was the best coat in the world because no one else had one yeah and but people made fun of her for it and then she eventually years later wrote that song well i hate to sound like a complete whatever here but you really need to see the christmas special yes yeah yeah because yeah, <laughs> yeah. i actually loved it and it made me cry yeah <laughs> well actually i cried when because uh, uh, she was on the voice or one of those shows and uh and I saw the clip of her playing Code of Many Colors. And she, is that the name of the song? Yeah, yeah it okay. is. Yep. And she, um, she, I'll edit out the part of me asking that again, because it sounded like I really knew what I was talking about. <laughs> um, and then she explained it and then played it. And I was fully, full well up crying, basically. Yeah, well, she's <laughs> yeah. a great songwriter. She's and so good. she had a really interesting life. And songwriting is a real craft. Like, totally. 
you know, that's why I never really stuck with pure technical blues because there's not a lot, of a lot of covers. It's not a lot of songwriting. So right. I tried to do songwriting, but I'm getting better. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no Dolly. Yes. I saw her play. I took my mom to that concert. And, oh, no yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We had a great time. Where, where was she playing? Winnipeg? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the MTS center. She didn't even have, she didn't have a drummer. They used an iPad for the drummer. Shut the hell up. No I, my theory is some drummer pissed her off. Yeah. And right. she's probably like, fuck you. I can just do it gonna, you. I'm just yeah. going to get an iPad. You better respect me. She's a master businesswoman. Yeah. Iron lady of country. Oh, well, yeah. Dolly, Dollywood and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's no accident for sure. I think she has her own publishing too. Like, I think she controls her collection. Like, she right. knew at a young age. Like, she's freaking smart. Yeah. Smart lady. Yeah. yeah. When did you start writing? Me, um, oh, probably, uh, 2000, 2007, 2008. Before that, I just played a lot of blues and, um, which some of that stuff you don't have to write. You can do a lot of old, you know, old, uh, you know, from, there's so many versions of those songs and, and, um, you know, from the twenties and the thirties. We went to Clarksdale too in the States. That was really oh, interesting. Yeah, cool. Crossroads and all that. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Wow. So you started writing like fairly recently ago did, yep. did you have stuff in your back pockets to you know floating around in your head or in the can already that you just that made it easier to start writing or did you just completely start from ground zero start from ground zero yeah, yeah. um but i just i had a really interesting life like lots of, lots of interesting things happened to me by the time i was like 26 you know like there were so many things that happened bizarre people and strange characters and um the jail and uh so it was just like these stories just kind of came and uh you know stories about oh well, I was number one uh, what made me first sing I was never a singer mm-hmm. and uh but Lucinda Williams was I met her in 2007 and and after I met her I was like wow like uh, I started singing then and and her stories, they some of my stories sort of follow the same line about authentic, authentic, really, you know, uh, people's problems and you know rawness and hard drinking and yeah. you know, and she's just such a truthful poet, you know. For sure. What the fuck is that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving truck. Yeah. My stuff's not in there because <laughs> I don't have anything. <laughs> Where did you meet uh, Lucinda? Uh, at the State Theater in Minneapolis. Um, yeah, Let's we go just go to a show and like a meet and greet after. Or something? I had to go see her. I yeah. discovered when I discovered her, I just bought the CD and I was listening to it and I was like, "Is this real?" Like mm. I couldn't even believe it. She sounded drunk mm. in these recordings. I was live at the Fillmore recording, and the songs are so great. They're just and I lived that life, the life she's talking about. Like that was my life in the paw. So uh, I had to go down. I went down there with a friend and we saw her get on the escalator and like she's going up to this bar so yeah i went and talked to her yeah was she pretty approachable oh yeah but i couldn't understand what she said she had this thick accent to yeah. louisiana you yeah, know yeah, so yeah. but yeah no she was really wonderful wow well, that's cool mm-hmm. would you have a drink with her like a- yeah yeah we sat around and had a few drinks and yeah oh yeah, my yeah. god that's so cool yeah. and how did that inspire you to go to become a singer at that point well, because her voice was just so raw, right? And uh, th- I hadn't heard really much like it, you know. I mean, you know, there's always Janice and uh, Stevie Nicks has a little bit of that too, right? The rawness, yeah. And, but uh, not like that much. So yeah, it just sort of inspired me to, because I just never thought, oh, I can't, I can never really sing like um, really pretty, like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Even yeah. though I love a lot of stuff like that, Joni Mitchell, and I love Kate Bush. I'm a huge Kate Bush fan. Yeah. So, yeah, but it just made me think, well, yeah, you know, because I had to write songs. So. Mm-hmm. And then so you, st- you get this confidence from meeting 
Lucinda, you're like, fuck it, I can do this and I'll just be myself and I'll do it my way and I'll start singing and then you start writing and singing. When's the first time that you performed an original? Do you remember that moment? Oh, um, I don't remember that moment. I remember being like in this festival when I was first starting out just doing Between the Acts and I went after, on after this comedian and he was talking about the dirtiest shit I ever heard. <laughs> it was really funny. And uh, it was hilarious. But I'm like, how am I going to follow this? Like, they put me on after the comic, like shit. And so I did this song about like drugs and somebody dying and like uh, just, you know, anyways. And then as I was singing it, you know, this ambulance went by and then everybody was like, oh, like it was, it really worked out well. So I remember that very distinctly. Well, that's cool. It's yeah. funny that is the perspective that you say, oh man, they put me after a comedian. How can I follow that? Because comedians always think, do not put me after the band mm. or the musician. <laughs> it's too hard to follow because it's such an energy thing. Like you know, as a comic, we're up there with a mic and whatever, and then but you guys have music, and, it, you know, people move to it and go to different places, and they're complete escapism, which is, you want to achieve that in comedy, but it's kind of different, and it's always harder to follow a musical act. Do you remember by any chance who the comic was? Oh, 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 oh uh, Jay William as. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's from Winnipeg. He's funny. He's yeah, really yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, like, really self-effacing, or self-deprecating. Deprecating, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, he was great. But it just was, I had this really ridiculously downer song to play. Oh, right, right. <laughs> anyway, but that's true. I think comedy, I have a lot of respect for comedians because I think it's way, I'm sorry, I think it's way, way harder. Mm. I do. I don't, I have no idea what I would do without my instrument. Like, Right. That's yeah, just it's, like. It is, it's kind of fucked up. And if you think about it too much, it, cre- it creeps me out. My brain does weird things. My mind, like before a show, I'll think of that shit and you're not supposed, like you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. I'm no. like, okay, so people paid money. They got babysitters. They put on, you know, they showered. They're coming here with the expectation that I, only I, like <laughs> on that stage with a light and mic, I'm supposed to make them laugh. Like they're on their way. They're going, this is going to be hilarious, even though they know nothing about me. Uh, it's not like, you know, I'm this super famous guy. They, and they go, oh, we can't wait to see such and such. It's like... No, we're going to see comedy, and yeah. I'm the comedian. They know nothing about me, and it's just this expectation, this exchange, where they're like, okay, we sit and listen, you make us fucking laugh. And it's like, when I think of that, I want to run. I'm yeah. like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, and who knows what kind of comedy they want. And like, right. It's like music. It's like, right. who knows? It's such a crapshoot. Some people right. might, especially if you're doing something you know, very strange, like, you know, sure. Maria Bamford, I love her, she's my hero. She's awesome, yeah. And uh, I feel like the same person in her show, I feel <laughs> yeah. like the same, for all the women in her show are like so scary yeah. and dominating and that's how I feel in my life, I'm just yeah. like, well, anyway, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, like, I don't know, but you must be good at it if you're, you know, well, good whatever. at making people laugh. Yeah, well, it's, it's this, yeah, it's this weird thing and the other weird thing with comedy is like, if you go to a music show Unless it's an open stage, it can be all sorts of of, of um, genres. But if you go to uh, like a specific band, you know, I'm going to see rock, I'm going to see country, I'm going to yeah. see blues. Mm-hmm. Whereas comedy, you go to a comedy club, it's like just the umbrella of comedy. It could like, be anything. It could be anything. So that's why it's hard sometimes because certain people expect certain things and it's not at all what you do and then it's like and is it the same in music where if there's like you could have a room of 200 people and pretty much almost everybody's into it but there's this one person that's got their arms arms crossed and not into it and that's all you can see no you know i'm never even I, i this is probably a bad thing but i never even pay attention to the crowd at all is that right yeah i'm just too into what i'm doing i mean that sounds totally self-centered and ridiculous that sounds narcissistic but no it sounds, i'm just having a good 
good time. Peaceful so. <laughs> and like in a good place. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I know people that that happens to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm lucky. I don't, I never, fo- I don't ever worry about it. I guess the difference between music and comedy is that comedy, I mean, the, the obviously, you know, performing live music, the, the audience is a huge part of it, but in comedy, it's all of it. You rely solely on the audience. I mean, yeah. that's the only gauge for success is the reaction of the crowd. I Absolutely. Mean, so you really pay attention to what the hell is happening, like the energies in the room, the pockets of people that are into it, the pockets that are not into it, the one guy that's got his arms crossed and hasn't laughed in 45 minutes. Like, That's all you think of and, and see. Do you ever do gigs where you end up, where it's a tough room and it's you're more or less background noise? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are those oh, for hard sure, for sure? Um, or are you just doing your own thing again and enjoying what you're doing? I I really had to like uh, I don't know. I think it just you make it easier on yourself by learning to have the proper the right attitude. And it's like, well, this is practice. I'm getting paid to do this. If nobody's listening, I'm not a person that necessarily needs. To, I like, <laughs> I don't even need to perform. Right. I don't even really. It, sorry, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm more of a studio. I like doing studio work. Mm-hmm. The only reason I perform um, is to take a shower and brush my hair. <laughs> talk to people. Because I won't. Yeah. Like, I just turn into a complete animal. Like, for, I'll be in that studio working for days. And yeah. um, so it just... It just gives me some socialization and I can be around people. And I, I really like people. I like, I enjoy it. But then I get to a point where it's like, ah, like yeah. being alone too, you know? Yeah, so. I'm the same. We were talking about that before we went on mic and you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. So am I. But And people assume because you're in show business, you must be just the life of the party <laughs> all the time. And they approach you. And, and also at a show, you know, they're watching you for however long your sets are, an hour and a half, two hours, three hours. They're watching you the whole time. They feel like they know you. They've got, <laughs> you know, their eyes on you the whole time and then they come up to you after they're like claire oh my god i love you and you're like get away yeah, <laughs> yeah. well no i'm not getting i mean i always talk to them and stuff right, and for sure. i don't and i'm very you know open with people but it just takes a little bit away from like just takes a little out of you kind it of does time. yeah yeah just like you're saying with yourself right totally. you probably have the same experience 100 mm-hmm. percent. and they always the promoters or bookers or club owners be like go shake hands at the end stand by the door and i'm like Fuck. it's so draining it's First of all, you feel so needy. You're like, thank you. It's the worst. Oh, my God. I hate it. Oh, my God. You feel like, okay, I'm here for compliments. Uh, It's so dumb. Come say hi to me. Yeah. Hey, I'm here, everybody. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. You didn't give me enough love when I was doing the show. I need more. I need more. (laughs) Approve of me, please. I think the same thing that uh, Maria Bamford, that anyways, I keep talking about her, but when she's selling merch on her like comedy special there, it's just so funny. She's like trying to sell merch. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's such a ridiculous business. It is ridiculous. ridiculous. And because that's another, do you have merch? Do you sell merch? I just have a CD. I'm thinking yeah. about getting like a Western shirt maybe to sell. I don't know. But yeah. that's, that's the way down the line. I don't, I don't really care about um, money that much. I just, I have a, f- a care for art. Yeah, yeah. The real deal. I know that sounds ridiculous, but. No, no, it totally <laughs> makes sense. I'm not that great of a business person. Not in terms of, you know, if I write or publish things or my my film stuff. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm a pretty hard businesswoman. Yeah. Um. With you know, but um, just the whole self promotion. That's what I have a hard time with. Yeah. So. No, for sure. That's it's so uncomfortable. I worked with a business coach and. She was telling me all these things I had to do, and everything <laughs> I she would mention. I'm like, really? Do I have to do that? And she's yeah. like. 
she's like trust me it's just what you have to do this is the world we live in and it's so fucking hard yeah because you're like uh i don't know for some people it wouldn't be though right like you know yeah i just wish i had somebody else promoting me you know why self-promotion like why not have it just seems so wrong right it just makes me feel like ugh, like just not right about it you know this is the world we live in i guess i'll be poor whatever i'll bartend (laughs) All right, we'll be back in four minutes and 50 seconds. I just need to charge. I, I did this with uh, Lindsay Ferguson the other day. I I've go on and on, and I look, and I'm like, why didn't I plug in my fucking laptop? Oh, it's not your oh, Yeah, I so I don't want to lose anything, so we're going to play a quick, uh, quick song uh, by my guest, Claire Bisland, and uh, here it is, and calling Christy Johnson. She was born in this town At 34 she was dead in the ground Slinging guitar she was a queen Slinging guitar rough and me Thank you. 
Wow, that is Colin Christie Johnston, 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 sorry, Colin mm. Christie Johnston. And see, nothing but professionalism here. <laughs> Absolutely not, yes. <laughs> By uh, Claire Bestland. That was unbelievable. Oh, oh my thanks. God, that was so good. And that was, that was you shredding there and uh, oh my God, so good. You tell us the story behind that, that song. That was a singer-songwriter singer from Winnipeg? Yeah, um, Christy Johnson um, was a guitar player. She's a singer, too, and mm-hmm. she's uh, amazing. And uh, she's an amazing, amazing player. She played at Montreal Jazz Fest, and she was on Stony Plain Records, I think, for a while, too. And um, she was just amazing. And she passed away, I think it was in 07. And her story, it's weird, like came to me intuitively like I uh, would be at a party and her song which was pretty obscure songs were obscure they'd come on the radio or somebody would start talking about her or like I said I was in Seattle and some guys like hey Christy they thought I was her and um so and I just felt she was with me or so I don't know I (laughs) I don't want to sound crazy but and um so I just and I knew people that knew her in that scene and sort of gathered the story and I think it was actually uh an accurate story that I intuitively grasped on because I was <laughs> playing at this bar in Winnipeg and I started introed the song this is about Christy Johnson and the sound guy goes hey he's like that's my sister shut up no yeah. way oh my yeah. god yeah and then I played this song I was like no way and I played the song and he really liked it and yeah. we're really good friends now so, wow yeah. well it'd be hard not to like that uh, I mean yeah, especially when it's that uh, personal. That's what did she pass away from? Well, she, um, the blues has uh, definitely a shadow side, mm-hmm. much like comedy, I'm mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and uh, it's probably quite similar. And so there's always that sort of hard drinking aspect or the dark side of things. I think she just had like a really, she really had something very. Uh, just substantial and I think people sort of grasped onto it and she didn't really have the blocks in place to sort of stop it and she um got involved in some in some um, addictive things and some destructive things and um she passed away and so the story sort of the story that I wrote sort of sort of tells it you know she fell downstairs and mm-hmm. um you know nobody knows how she fell but she opens the door at the Windsor Hotel because she does sometimes yeah, is that right yeah <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I felt right. that she did. This yeah. hotel that we used to play in is yeah. a real kind of rough place, but also a place, it was a mixing place. It was a room where there'd be doctors and lawyers and then there'd be the absolute, you know, opposite. So, um, yeah, it's just sort of nobody really knows. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I love mysteries. So. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good story. Where does the, where does the La Moranita come from? Um, well, that's a whole... Um, um, it's it's difficult to explain. I should have worked on that before I came. But um, basically, you know, I read a lot of um, books by Jungian psychoanalysts, um, most of which are female. So, um, you know, Clarissa Pinkola SDs. And um, uh, they follow Jung because his mother was a spiritualist and he really, he wasn't as like uh, explicitly extreme in terms of male energy as Freud. So a lot of f- female uh, people that followed that discipline sort of followed him. And, uh, you know, it just talks about um, the idea of male and female energies really, really being out of balanced. Mm-hmm. And La Mornita means um, the Black Madonna. So the idea of uh, the sacred feminine or... Um, you know, things like, you know, the um, recesses in the earth or feminine, symbolically feminine things and how 
um, there used to be like cults of the Madonna. The Madonna, Madonna, I think, you know, used to be just as important in the Trinity as everything else, but it was sort of um, bowled over because of, you know, power and control and, um, you know, the, the, the clergy was mostly male. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a male basher. I love men. I love men, <laughs> you know, but there's just sort of this, uh, this real de-emphasis on the feminine in our world, which I think you see everywhere. And I met this great artist. Um, I got a line in one of my songs, which I haven't recorded yet about it, but uh, his name's Scott. His last name's Scott. And he has a piece in the National Gallery in Ottawa. And it's a muscle car, a black muscle car. And it's got the Book of Revelation carved in the hood. And it's just a statement on how hyper macho culture is just taking us that's into great. the apocalypse. And so yeah. it's a similar, that's a, as good as I can explain it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you grow up religious? Uh, I went to, yeah, uh, I went to church as as a kid, um, went to Sunday school, and I found it quite interesting. I don't go to church anymore, and it yeah. was never anything, you know, really extreme or anything like that. Like, it was pretty moderate. But, um, yeah, it was, I was quite fascinated with those stories. I was like, why are you telling me about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. there's these, like, rapes and murders and, yeah. like, people getting slaughtered and uh, prostitutes and... You know, and it was just like, wow. So I really enjoyed those stories. And it is fascinating when you put it that way, for sure. I grew up like hyper-Catholic. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, okay. my, my parents. And uh, I, I mean, I was. It wasn't like I was, I didn't believe or anything. I was super Catholic myself. I eventually just kind of grew out of it. And uh, But uh, yeah, it is definitely fascinating when you like those, you know, those stories and fables and stuff. You're like... And it's true, they do teach you some pretty barbaric shit at a very young age. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But because it's under that umbrella, you almost don't even um, notice. It's weird. It's just like, okay, yeah, you just take it in like, yeah, this has got to be true for sure. Yeah, and those stories, I think, I don't know, they give you a taste for storytelling because I think there's, it's like Carl Jung, this fairy tales, you know, if you go back far enough in any civilization, those fairy tales are universal. Yeah. You know, so the stories in the Bible, you know, maybe not universal, but, but inter- I went to China too years ago and that was really fascinating because there's no christian like hardly any christianity in anyone's psyche for thousands of years right it's fascinating oh yeah that's an element i would have never thought of uh, going over there for sure yeah i think we carry it uh through generationally i think we carry that in our bone structure whatever oh for sure yeah Yeah. you can see with the culture like there's something totally different going on there it was interesting what what brought you over there my boyfriend wanted to go see his ancestral village, mm-hmm. so I just went with him. And uh, yeah, it was they have their own thing. It was really interesting. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Does that help fill the well, like to sit to write songs and stuff when you live like that and see the world? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Like especially with that album I did, like because the there is less of a there is a big mother kind of thing going on there. Like, mm-hmm. it's not as de-emphasized as in Christian, waspy. This is just my theory. Anybody, there's like a million people that are just going to be like, oh, arguing with me. But this is just what I, you know, witnessed there. Not what necessarily is what everybody else does. But they definitely sort of take care of each other there in a totally different way. It's not like, it's so family, family, family. And there's less, less judgy inherently probably yeah well monotheism right is right. is is really can be a psychotic thing because you've got you know an example of the son of god taking on everything like i'm yeah, the son yeah. of god and but in 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 uh, buddhism or their other that that does, that's not really a thing right so you think about there's something called the imitatio christi of like this phenomenon that people actually imitate christ in their behaviors through their psyche 
and you see it. My ex-husband was an imitatio Christi, and <laughs> um, so with the suffering or the, you know, and uh, but you don't really. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's really fascinating if you look at um, if you believe that people carry these things from from their forefathers. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think I think so. I think people do carry it. I kind of selfishly hope that a million people disagree with you because that means a million people are listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, someday. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 We'll get there, yeah. I like your attitude, Claire. <laughs> uh, what, uh, so how did you find Wakefield? How did you get come here? What, what, how did you land here, basically? Well, I came out. I, yeah, I just happened to, it's weird. I, there's some weird stuff happening back home, and then, oh, it's a long story. There's some stuff I just had to get away from, and um, somebody said, hey, my friend's moving to Ontario. Uh, do you think you could take a ride with her with your U-Haul? So I said, oh, okay, and she paid my flight back, whatever. So I came out, and I just started, you know, went to some open mics, went and played, and then, and then, wow, like the reception was really good. And then I eventually met Kara Enid. Yeah. And um, I saw her with her dulcimer come and play, and I was like, when I see talent, I'm on it like a hawk. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's how we recruit people to play with me. So, right. And I don't mess around if I don't like something, I don't approach it. Right. Right. Like right. I'm very. <laughs> so, uh, or not not like something, but if something doesn't really speak to me. I don't, you won't you know, waste your don't, time. don't bother with it. Yeah. So anyways, I, right away I, I went and, and approached her and then I came out again and then I eventually just packed up my car and moved. Was it when you, your friend's U-Haul, was it like around Ottawa, like close? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, she, well, we moved for, she moved from Winnipeg and I just kind of helped her drive it out and then she flew me back. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then you did the, an open mic here in Wakefield, is that it? No, uh, in Ottawa. Oh, in Ottawa. And then, and then I'd come out to Wakefield and I found it fascinating that like I didn't know anybody right. and I didn't play, but I met lots of people. Mm-hmm. So, and people were like telling me, yeah, I should move here. Like, I don't know why, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. they were like, and then all of a sudden I just got adopted, Yeah, you know? And yeah. when I moved out here, like, I mean, I, that was, a, I mean, I was so broke. Right. It was a big risk. Yeah. You know, but uh, it all worked out. I got adopted. Yeah. You loving your decision? You're happy with it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not going home anytime soon. Have so. you played around town? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think uh, which, like, I'm so confused because we were down in the States. Right. Um, what, what all have we done? Oh, I mean, I played at the cafe. We played at the Sheep. We did mm-hmm. a gig on the 19th at the Sheep. It went really well. That's such a magical venue. Isn't it great? It was. It was great. Yeah. 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 And uh, so was that in the summer when you played there? Yeah, the 19th. Yeah, it, I did a gig there last August, I guess, or something. And it was like, it's so hot, but it kind of adds to it. I don't know. It's just like everyone's in it <laughs> together. It's all clammy. You go in the green room upstairs, it's like 45 degrees. And you're just like, I don't know. It, it kind of adds to it for some reason that it's so unbearably hot in the summer there. I kind of like to be, I don't know, this is disgusting, but I kind of like to be completely disgustingly dirty and sweaty when I play. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It makes me feel good. I don't know why. That's pretty interesting. Like, yeah. Well, and, and it also probably people like to watch that. People probably identify with that because they're like, okay, holy shit, look at her. She's really into it. And that working. Kind of working. Yeah. And people connect to that for sure. That's awesome. And uh, what uh, what are you working on now? You and Enid are going to tour a little bit or, or are you doing stuff on your own? What's what's up? Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to produce an engineer recording for her. It's going to be an EP. Um, yeah, and she's got uh, a number of projects on the go, and I'm probably going to go down to New York with her to do some gigs. And then I'm going to do, of course, my own stuff too. But mm-hmm. I'm just sort of plotting because I want to eventually go dip back down to Nashville and uh, try and break in there. There's a lot of really good blues happening. Mm-hmm. And just the level, level of players was incredible. So I'd like to go and learn. 
And I'd also like to do some solo acoustic stuff. Like, this is a multifaceted answer. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to do. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to, even in Nashville, to do writing as well. I'd like to get involved with that somehow as well. Right. And then, you know, the film stuff. I mean, I always have my studio. It's pretty simple. So, um, you know, I want to do that as well. But I'm looking for somebody to study under, actually, um, with the acoustic uh, solo stuff, like John Lee Hooker. Mm. Kind of, well, I mean, he's dead, so I can't right study here. under him. <laughs> But when I was in Clarksdale, I found a few guys that are still alive and they're still kicking and still doing it. So, what what brought you or drew you to blues? I mean, why why go that route? I don't know. I just think, I mean, I like country a lot too. I like that just that's and rock and yeah. uh, you know that style of music. But it's just rustic. Mm-hmm. It's rustic music. And when you listen to John Lee Hooker, that's where rock and roll came. Like like the Stones kind of rock and Green Onions. Yeah, you know. It came from around, like a lot of that stuff came from around Clarksdale. And um, so it's got that groove and it's somebody uh, playing a guitar like it's all the instruments in one, yeah. the bass, the drums, everything all at once. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that always interested me. For sure. Uh, which is something that's really kind of, I think, sort of starting to disappear. I'd like to, you know, carry it on. But just, you know, the stories and the roughness and the, like what I do is rustic. It's a rustic thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. speaking of which, do you want to play us out? Do you want to play a little thing or two? Sure, absolutely. Hi. Um. This is revolution.
my god, that was incredible. You really play the fuck out of that guitar. Holy <laughs> shit. I wreck them. Yeah. And that's a th- you do thumb picking there. Yeah. 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 Wow, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much. You re- really shred that thing. <laughs> Bring you, they really Oh my. And 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 it's like you have a percussion element to it, like the type of strumming. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you've got your foot going and you've got your hand going, but you know, looking at the the things here, it's all like perfectly like it's like you have <laughs> the a drum, waves. Yeah, the waves. <laughs> it's like you have a drum track on there. Yeah, I, I know. I love rhythmic stuff, right? John yeah. Hooker, like yeah. you said, Green Onions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, what was the inspiration behind that song? Um, that's like I think the first song I ever wrote. Is that and, right? Um, I met this guy, um, Bill Bourne. He's a f- um a folk player but great um um uh what do you call it flamenco player too on a steel mm-hmm. string and yeah anyways the guy's just he's like he was like my guru i met him at a festival and he's like one of the most enlightened people i've ever met i've only met one or two people like that in my life and uh yeah i just he just opened me up to this world that i really wasn't a cu- like um i really didn't know and that song just kind of came to me it's kind of a Kind of a hippie, kind of you know, like revolution. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> he's from that great. era. You know, so, right? Yeah. yeah. Well done. Do you want to do another? How do you feel? Uh, sure. Yeah, I could do uh, another. I'm just trying to think of uh, what I could do. No then. pressure. It's up to you.
I'm gonna have to get myself tested. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, so, oh my, I'm speechless. So good. That's kind of a silly song. Yeah. That's good. You really, really play the sh- like you. How much you must go through guitars. Yeah, I just play cheap ones now. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I used to buy expensive, but I mean, I just wreck them. Yeah. So there's no point. Yeah. But it just goes to show what you can do because so many people are dainty with them and like super, <laughs> you can just go to town. Yeah, I'm not dainty with guitars. Uh, I, yeah, I got to be careful with other people's because I break them. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that was phenomenal. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for coming. And uh, go to clairebestland.com for all of your Claire needs. Like and me on uh, Facebook if you, you can, go. you know, yeah. whatever. All that social See, there you go, oh. you did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a baby step. Right. Yeah. See, that barely felt uncomfortable, right? <laughs> it didn't, yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Is there anything else you want to add or do or say? No, no, thanks. I just want to say thank you, Julian, for having me on and yeah. in your lovely house, and, and it's great to be here in Wakefield. And welcome to Wakefield. We're both fresh here, so uh, yeah. uh, we'll see each other around. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, watch your head. It's such a beautiful waste of time A waste of time And there it is, another one in the books Thanks to my guest, Claire Bestland Wasn't that just awesome? Oh, gee, I don't... uh, I envy people that can do that with things How? Anyway, thanks to you for listening always You appreciate you I do this for you A little bit for me, but mostly for you 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 ew no what was that all right email the show pod at jdcomedyhour.com i get those directly in my inbox and uh i mean who else obviously what what am i pretending that i have people that handle me no i of course it comes this is a one-man operation and uh, like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash jdcomedyhour. Like or follow, rather, on Instagram and Twitter, at jdcomedyhour. And uh, remember to you do you always. Subscribe and rate on iTunes. And uh, I love you. Thank you so much. And as always, watch your head. Just a waste of time. A beautiful waste of time. It's just a waste of time.
Blizzard songs I do for film. Oh, so it's right? just instrumental, but I do oh, sing. Well, like that's I, why cinematic compositions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have an album, cinematic compositions. No, no, oh, I, no I have an album like, that's songwriting. That's more blues. Got it. Inspired, yeah, but uh, that's from two years ago. I th- I like this stuff yeah. better. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sorry>. yeah. <laughs> You don't have to play the whole thing either. It goes on and on. It's meant to be faded out in a film. Got so. it. <laughs> like an outro. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Is it just kind of the same over and over? I yeah. like it. It sounds good. You can, yeah, do whatever you want with it. Oh, there's just a minute left. We'll leave it. <laughs> 